Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And before I get into the Monday Night Madness episode where I'm going to get my review on Halloween Havoc 1997, um, I hope you guys out there had a great Christmas this year, hanging out with family and friends. I hope everything went well for you guys this year for Christmas. A um, couple things I will say before I start this podcast for Monday Night Madness. Um, some news came over the weekend. If you guys haven't found out by now, I'll let you guys know. AEW star Brody Lee has passed away at the age of 40, 41 due to a lung issue. Um, it's just horrible news, man. It really, really is. And I know some people wanted me to touch base on this and how I felt. I feel like Brody Lee, number one, obviously, if you guys don't know who Brody Lee is or if you don't watch AEW's product, um, Brody Lee was also known as Luke Harper in WWE. He was also in the stable with uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, Eric Rowan, the Wyatt family. Braun Strowman, so on and so forth. Um, I feel like Brody Lee, to me, honestly, um, was just getting you know his feet wet in a way as far as his own creative in AEW. And I feel like it was a, a breath of fresh air for him being with AEW and um, allowing him to have his own kind of creative and where he wanted to go with storylines and everything else like that and having the Dark Order. I feel like in, a, in some small way, I feel like he was getting his career started in a way, even though that's kind of it sounds kind of crazy, but... I feel like AEW was really giving him that spotlight to really flourish into professional wrestling and really, you know, just, you know, create his own path where Vince McMahon and everybody else in WWE really wasn't giving him that opportunity to do so. Um, so, yes, it, um, unfortunately, Brody Lee has passed away at the age of 41 due to a lung issue. Now, some people are saying um, that it's not related, uh, related to COVID-19. Um, I'm not sure about that yet. Uh, only thing I will know, the side news that I got today um, was that he was actually hospitalized for two months. And I don't know if that was right after the dog collar match that he had with Cody. Um, because to me, he's, it seems like he's been off AEW television for quite a while. So I don't, I don't know the whole entire story of what, it, you know, what caused the lung issue, how long he's had it, why he was in the hospital for two months. I have no idea. Uh, but it's very sad. And my heart goes out to Brody Lee and his family. Um that had to deal with this just tragic event, man. It's just absolutely awful. Um, rest in peace to Brody Lee. But uh, getting into the Monday Night Madness episode, I'm going to give my review today, like I said, on Halloween Havoc's 1997. Uh, starting off the evening, we're going to our first match on the card. It is Ultimo Dragon versus Yuji Nagata. Uh, starting off the match, pretty much back and forth match at this point. Uh, Dragon does land his kick combination on Nagata. Dragon then hits a back suplex on Nagata as well. Nagata then gets up, applies an accolade on Dragon. Nagata then hits a pile driver on Dragon in the middle of the ring. Raven and the flock are here. They are walking through the crowd while the match is going on. Dragon then hits an acai moonsault on Nagata on the outside. Dragon then hits a somersault powerbomb off the top rope on Nagata. Dragon then hits a moonsault off the top rope on Nagata, pins it for the two. Nagata then gets up, hits an overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplex on Dragon. In the middle of the ring, Dragon then gets up, hits a step-up enziguri on Nagata. Dragon and Nagata both exchange in the middle of the ring. Dragon then hits a Frankensteiner off the top rope on Nagata. Nagata then gets up, applies an armbar on Dragon. Dragon ends up tapping out, and your winner of the match is Yuji Nagata. Again, this was not a bad opening match um, for Halloween Havoc. Um, obviously, I, know, I don't know a lot about uh, Yuji Nagata. I, I, obviously, I feel like he came over from like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I believe he was working, or Sonny Ono was pretty much scouting him to be his next person in his little stable, I guess, at the time. 
Um, Ultimo Dragon, obviously know a lot about Ultimo Dragon. Fantastic wrestler, fantastic competitor, great cruiserweight. Um, <clears throat> and his career is just legendary. Uh, but this was not a bad opening match. So my hat does go off to Yuji Nagata for getting the win in this match. And what I thought was a decent match. Um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card is Gaido versus Chris Jericho. Starting on the match, just like the other match earlier, it was pretty much a back-and-forth match in the beginning. Jericho does hit a shoulder tackle on Gaido. Gaido then gets up, hits a power slam on Jericho in the middle of the ring. Jericho then gets up, hits a humongous botch Frankensteiner off the top rope on uh, Gaido, off the top rope. I'm going to tell you right now, that botch Frankensteiner could have ended Chris Jericho's career that night. The way he landed that Frankensteiner and the way that he flipped over the top rope if you guys go back and watch Halloween Havoc 1997 and go back to this match, Jericho literally lands on his head, and you can see his head and his neck just snapping back. It could his, his career could have ended right there. That could have been it. It was just a crazy botch, man, and it could have gone horribly wrong. Uh, but Jericho ends up applying the walls of Jericho on Guido, and your winner of the match is Chris Jericho. Again, not a bad match. The botch, I'm not going to give Jericho, like, I'm not going to bash him for the botch because the botch, honestly, like I said earlier, it could have really ended his career, and it was really bad. It was one of the worst botches that I've ever seen, and that could have ended his, you know, his entire in-ring career. So, uh, but hats off to Jericho for getting the win in this match. <clears throat> um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card. It is Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. in a title versus mask match. Uh, starting off the match, Mysterio hits a springboard moonsault into an arm drag on Guerrero. Mysterio then hits a crossbody on Guerrero, sending Guerrero to the outside. Mysterio then hits a dropkick on Mysterio, on Guerrero, I'm sorry. Guerrero then hits a backbreaker on Mysterio as well. Guerrero then is trying to tear the mass of Mysterio in the middle of the ring. Mysterio then gets up, hits a springboard moonsault into a DDT on Guerrero. Brutal spot. Mysterio then hits a hurricane runner on Guerrero. Mysterio then hits a somersault flip to the outside into a head scissors on Guerrero on the outside. Mysterio then hits a whisper in the wind on Guerrero off the top rope. Guerrero then hits a devastating powerbomb on Mysterio. Guerrero then goes to hit an outsider's edge on Mysterio, but Mysterio turns it into a Hurricane Rana, pins Guerrero for the three, and your winner of the match, and at that time, new cruiserweight champion, is Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, I can tell you right now, this was the match of the night for me. This was a fantastic match, man. If you guys want to go back and just see one hell of a match, it is this match right here for Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. This was an action-packed match, man. These guys knew each other in and out of that ring. And like I told you guys before, and I'm going to keep reiterating that every time I see one of these matches, if you have two athletes in that squared circle that can gel perfectly in that ring, it makes for an action-packed, insane, crazy match. And this is the pure example of that. This match was absolutely phenomenal. Definitely, for me, the match of the night on the card. Um, hats off to Rey Mysterio for getting the win in this match. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, <coughs> uh, in a documentary I saw like years ago, this was actually the match of the year for 1997, if I'm not mistaken. This was an crazy match, man. Action-packed match. And, you know, him winning the Cruiserweight Championship. I mean, Rey Mysterio had a lot of good matches with Eddie and a lot of good matches with Dean Malenko. And this Eddie Guerrero match that he had with Mysterio was just absolutely fantastic. So hats off to Mysterio for getting the win and at that time getting the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Alex Wright versus Steve McMichael. Um, again, you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, how much I feel about Steve McMichael, that guy's a walking botch. If you, if, I'm just saying, if you're a McMichael fan, uh, again, I understand he played in the NFL. I get it. Chicago bears. I get it. Phenomenal football player, horrible wrestler. I'm sorry. 
But uh, starting off the match, McMichael hits a scoop slam on right. McMichael then hits a humongous botch, which was hilarious. Um, it looks like he was um, Alex Wright was going to uh, hit a, hit McMichael with an Irish whip. Never really happened. Uh, and then McMichael kind of did this whole flop move around thing, looking like Frankenstein. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, Wright then hits a spin kick on McMichael in the middle of the ring. McMichael then gets up, hits a tombstone pile driver on right. Goldberg, Goldberg is here. Goldberg then hits a spear on McMichael. Goldberg then hits a devastating jackhammer on McMichael. Referee is distracted. Goldberg then throws right over McMichael for the pin. And your winner of the match by pinfall is Alex Wright. Again, honestly, the best part of this match was Goldberg showing up, to be 100% honest. And I'm not even a really big fan of Goldberg, but <clears throat> him showing up in this match and hitting that jackhammer on McMichael was absolutely hilarious. And I know why they were setting it up, obviously. McMichael, you know, I believe, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he played for Auburn. If I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> obviously he played for the Chicago Bears. Goldberg played for the University of Georgia. Did that little thing with the Atlanta Falcons, but I don't think he fully made the team. Um, so you can, you know, the storyline kind of writes itself, but that was the, probably the best part of this match. But hats off to uh, uh, Alex Wright for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we go into our next match on the card. It is Jacqueline versus Disco Inferno. Before I say anything about this match, I thought this match was absolutely awful. Uh, and Disco Inferno, I put him up in the echelons of Buff Bagwell, um, Steve McMichael. The, the guy just can't wrestle. I'm sorry. It was all about gimmick with him, and the gimmick didn't work. You could say, oh, well, <clears throat> he went to the NWO. They didn't save this guy's career. Disco Inferno was an absolute joke. It was a walking gimmick, and the gimmick just didn't work. It didn't. I don't even know what the hell even Disco Inferno is even doing now to this day. I have no idea. I know he did a little bit of stuff with Impact, um, which I don't know how the hell they gave him a contract, but the guy, is a, he's a walking gimmick, man. That's all he is. Um, like I said, this match really wasn't that good. Um, Jacqueline does hit a suplex on Disco on the outside. She also hits a DDT on Disco as well in the middle of the ring. Ends up hitting a roll-up on Disco. Pins her, from, pins her for the three, and your winner of the match is Jacqueline. Again, mid-card match, but this match was awful. I mean, it was just awful. Uh, but moving on, our next match on the card is Ric Flair versus Kurt Henning for the United WCW United States Championship. Um, again, Flair's working on the legs of Henning. It's pretty much a back-and-forth match. Flair lands chops on Kurt Henning in the middle of the ring, but Henning then hits a lariat on Flair. Henning and Flair both exchange in the middle of the ring. Flair hits a suplex on Henning. Flair then hits the ref, and your winner by disqualification is Kurt Henning. And at that time, he is still WCW United States Champion. I mean, honestly, it wasn't a bad match. It just was kind of lackadaisical, to be honest with you, as far as having, you know, a Ric Flair match. Um, the one thing I'll say about Kurt Henning, man, number one, one of the best Intercontinental Champions of all time. And nobody's going to change my mind. Uh, I feel like what they're doing with the Intercontinental Championship now, you know, yeah, credit Big E has it, and that's great. Before, absolute joke. I'm hoping, you know, Big E can make that Intercontinental Championship more relevant than what it has been. Um but Kurt Henning can sell a match, man. I, I, will, I will give that guy credit, man. He can sell a match. You know, he's one of those wrestlers that can sell, a, you know, a, he can sell anything at this point. You know, he can sell, you know, toilet paper to you know, a toilet seat, you know, whatever. You know, just as a, a metaphor. But uh, Kurt Henning can sell a match, man. He, and he can get his ass kicked in a match and just sell it. And Ric Flair was beating the hell out of Kurt Henning. Um, and he was just selling it. You know, that's one thing I always notice about Kurt Henning matches, man, that he's always trying to put somebody over um, in every single match that he was in. So I, I, you got to give a little credit to the guy. Um, 
for, you know, trying to put people over and make, you know, Ric Flair is Ric Flair, man. He's an absolute legend, absolute legend. So uh, hats off to Henning, the, um, for Henning to get the win on this match by disqualification. Kind of wish it was a clean finish, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, after that match, we can go to our next match on the card. It is Lex Luger versus Scott Hall with special guest referee Larry Sabisco. Um, again, kind of a lackadaisical match. Back and forth match. Hall hits an atomic drop on Luger. Uh, six is ringside. Six, uh, six ends up attacking Luger um, in the ring. Sabisco is distracted, but Sabisco ends up pushing Hall uh, while Luger's on the ground. Luger ends up applying the torture rack on Hall, and the winner of the match is Lex Luger. Um, again, very lackadaisical match. I felt like the match was more about Larry Sabisco and Scott Hall than it was actually about Lex Luger and Scott Hall in this match. And I feel like Sabisco kind of took the heat away, uh, you know, the heat away, if you will, from Lex Luger um, in this match. I feel like Luger had no chance in hell getting over in the crowd, really. I mean, obviously, Scott Hall was a heel. Um, it's pretty, pretty much been a heel for the majority of his career um, as Scott Hall. But, um, yeah, Luger, I mean, Luger was getting over because, again, he was the babyface. But this match was completely about Sabisco and Scott Hall. And I'm happy for Luger to get the win in this match, but... Luger really didn't have a chance in hell getting over in this match, but hats off to him for getting the win. <clears throat> um, after that match, we go into our next match on the card as well. It is Randy Savage versus Diamond Dallas Page in a last man standing match. Uh, starting off the match, Randy and DDP fight on the outside. DDP then hits a net breaker on Randy. Randy then gets up, hits an axe handle off the top rope on DDP to the outside. Elizabeth then hits the ref with a tray, which was absolutely hilarious. Elizabeth then chokes DDP with a uh, camera cord. Uh, Kimberly is here. Kimberly ends up attacking Elizabeth. DDP then hits an atomic drop on Randy. Randy then gets up, hits an elbow drop off the top rope on DDP. DDP then gets up, hits a diamond cutter on Randy. Fake Sting is here. Fake Sting then hits DDP in the injured ribs. And your winner of the match is Macho Man Randy Savage. Again, this wasn't a bad match. It was an okay match. Obviously, um, in the beginning of the match, uh, DDP's ribs were completely injured. They were all taped up and wrapped up. Having the fake sting come down, hit him with the bat, completely wasn't able to get up for the 10 count, which uh, caused Randy Savage to win the match. But um, this was a feud that went on for a while in WCW, if, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it made for great matches. It really did. A lot of their matches were no disqualification, and those two just beat the hell out of one another. You know, Randy would beat the hell out of DDP, and DDP would beat the hell out of Randy. And it was just made for a great storyline, man. And then having, you know, Elizabeth get involved in the match, and then Kimberly get involved in the match, the crowd was absolutely going insane once Kimberly came down and attacked Miss Elizabeth. And it made for a great match. It really did. Because it wasn't just about Randy and DDP. It was also about Miss Elizabeth and uh, Kimberly, which made for just for a better storyline. What I thought was a fantastic feud back in the day between Randy Savage and DDP. But hats off to uh, Randy Savage for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card. It is the main event. It is Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper in a steel cage match. Uh, starting, off the, uh, starting off the match, Hogan does not want to be a part of this match. He's trying to find his way out of the cage. Uh, Piper then is on the attack on Hogan. Piper and Hogan go through the cage door to the outside. Hogan then throws the cage door into Piper's face, which looked brutal. Hogan then goes to leave, but fake sting scares Hogan. Savage is here. Savage hits an axe handle off the top of the cage. He, in <coughs> he intends to hit Piper, but ends up hitting Hogan. Piper then applies a sleeper hold on Hogan, and your winner of the match by submission is Roddy Piper. <clears throat> Again, this goes back to what I said about DDP and Randy Savage. 
Piper and Hogan was a crazy feud that went on in WCW for like two years. It seemed like um, between Piper and Hogan, and it seemed like Hogan couldn't beat Piper. And the crazy, see, this, the crazy thing for me, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Piper ever really held um, the heavyweight championship. And I, and I think he's one of those wrestlers who never was able to be world champion for WCW or WWF at the time. And I think that's a damn shame. And I think Roddy Piper should have been a world champion. I think he would have held the belt fine and, and would have defended the belt. You know, he would have been a fight, uh, you know, a champion's champion. You know, he would have been defending that belt every single week or every single chance that he had to prove that he's the world champion and that he's the best of the best. I mean, you guys got to also understand this, too. You know, back in the day, and again, you guys know my whole rant on the NWA and everything they're doing. Um, I'm not against what NWA, what they are as a company. I just feel like what they're doing right now is just a joke. But besides the point, back in the day, back in the 80s, early 90s, the NWA, well, I would say late, mid-70s to um, almost 90s, um, the NWA championship was defended constantly. You know, the champion, that one champion will go to every single uh state or every part of town to defend that belt against the best of the best in that town to figure out who's number one, you know, who's the best wrestler out there. So, I mean, again, it just, it's crazy that, you know, I feel like Piper would have been one of those guys who would have been, you know, a champion's champion. I really do. And it really is a shame. I believe he was intercontinental champion. Um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I think it was a match that he had against Brett, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that, but I, I'm pretty sure he was Intercontinental Champion at one time. But I don't think he was ever World Champion. Um, but again, don't quote me on that. But again, this is my review of Halloween Havoc 1997. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. And again, you know, it was really said about Brody Lee as well, man. Rest in peace, Brody Lee. And my heart goes out to his family as well. But And again, I also want to say thank you to the ones that are coming back, checking out the podcast. I pretty much do episodes every single day of the week. If you are new here, um, I'm always putting out news and rumors and stuff like that as well. So if you are new to the podcast, I appreciate you swinging by and checking it out. But um, this is my review of Halloween Havoc 1997. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful. And remember, stay classic. Peace.